You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. To start off our Goats of the Week, the first player making our list is Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Seahawks. And going into this game, we knew we'd have a big game against Atlanta. Uh, that defense is uh, was gutted and wasn't very good last year. But... Uh, you know, there's still a concern that the Seahawks would be a pass-heavy offense. And, you know, me and Bert talked about it, that we thought they were going to go more to an offense that was uh, designed around Russell Wilson and his ability. And this is only a one-week uh, frame, so we can't really uh, say that this is the way it's going to be, especially since it was against Atlanta. But uh, he started off the day pretty well. I mean, 31 of 35 for 322 yards. Four touchdowns, so he had as many incompletions as he did touchdowns, which is always a bonus. At a 29 yards rushing, and so he was the number one fantasy player at the quarterback position this week, and uh, yeah, deservedly so. He had a, a great game, and I'm intrigued by the uh, the rest of the season if if they uh, continue to uh, to uh, pass the ball as much as they did today. And just the efficiency of the way they passed the ball. And I, I think it helped that he used so many options. I mean, he had two touchdown passes to Chris Carson. Uh, you know, he had that one to DK Metcalf. He, he really spread the ball around. And so uh, Russell Wilson's our number one GOAT of the week. Our number two GOAT of the week is Aaron Rodgers. And this is for all the other reasons. Uh, you know, we were kind of high on Russell Wilson going into the season. We weren't as high on Aaron Rodgers. You know, with the draft, we thought it showed us that they were going to be more of a running team. And to be honest, that really didn't matter much. I mean, he was 32 for 44, so throwing the ball 44 times goes way against the fact that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to try to be a, a ground and pound team. But uh, for 364 yards and four touchdowns, it's just a really efficient game. And again, you know, we had uh, between. Uh, Devontae Adams and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, there was uh, there was some uh, s- some uh, yards to go around between those two receivers. And we'll, we'll talk about that later for sure. But uh, really impressed with Aaron Rodgers' day. And, you know, to do that in the very first week, he could definitely be uh, someone that... Uh, you know, last year he had, I think, five big games where he was in the top 12 and uh, really brought his stats up, and the rest of the games he was kind of mediocre. Well, he's off to a good start, so uh, that might not be the case anymore. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, our number two GOAT of the week. And then to round it off, we have Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. His day against the New York Jets was just outstanding. He was 20, or sorry, he was 33 out of 46, 312 yards, had two touchdowns, but he, you know, with Josh Allen, he also had 57 yards rushing and a touchdown. 
So if it wasn't for the uh, two fumbles that he lost, he would have been the uh, the top quarterback. But uh, you know his the fact that he uh, is so, he's so effective running the ball as much as he's passing the ball. Uh, he just had a, a really great game, and he uh, he did a lot better than I thought he would against the uh, New York Jets defense. I thought it was going to be more of a low-scoring game, and it wasn't. The Bills scored more than I thought and seemed to be uh, a better offense than I thought going into the season. So uh, the weapons are there, and they're taking advantage of it. So there you go. Josh Allen is the number three GOAT of the week at the quarterback position. Let's move on to running back. Starting off, our number one GOAT of the week for the running back position is number one, Josh Jacobs. He uh, had 93 yards rushing with three touchdowns. And that's right, three touchdowns. Pretty efficient game. Carolina's really bad at stopping the rush, and Jacobs had a monster game. He also was targeted six times, had four receptions for 46 yards, and so, you know, he was a, a part of the passing game a lot more than he was last year. And that was encouraging to see. So it looks like he's going to be the uh, main back uh, in both facets of the game, which is really great to see. So if you drafted him, you got to be feeling really good about that pick right now. And, you know, Josh Jacobs is our number one GOAT of the week. Moving on to our number two GOAT of the week is... In that same game, Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, these Josh Jacobs was kind of a no-brainer as he had a great matchup. Christian McCaffrey, kind of the same thing. It doesn't matter his lineup. When he's up here, you just expect him to be just because, you know, he's such a great back. He had two touchdowns, 96 yards rushing, had, uh, you know, three receptions for 38 yards, which actually that was more surprising is the fact that he wasn't utilized as much in the passing game as what he was last year. And I mean, it makes sense. It's a new coach, new offensive scheme, but uh, I, I definitely wanted to see those targets go up. But from a production standpoint, I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey. He uh, did what he needed to do. Uh, not enough for the win. They lost by four points, but uh, definitely wasn't the fault of Christian McCaffrey. And although Ezekiel Elliott was the number three uh, scoring running back this week, my third star is going to Malcolm Brown for the Los Angeles Rams. I liked Malcolm Brown a lot coming in. I had him ranked 37th overall at running back. And he even put those rankings to shame because he was the fourth rated running back this week. And he, he rushed the ball 18 times for 79 yards, had two touchdowns, was part of the passing game more than I thought he would be. So he was able to get 31 uh, yards through the air. So Malcolm Brown, really effective uh, day, and uh, especially against the Dallas defense. The first wide receiver goat of the week is Devontae Adams uh, against Minnesota. And Devontae Adams was ranked our number one receiver in all of football during the draft, and he proved it on the first game. 17 targets, which is just insane. You know, they won 43-34, to 34, 156 yards, two touchdowns, and no one had a bigger week than Devontae Adams. So, um, I'll be honest, I was expecting kind of a, a big game because of Minnesota not having their cornerbacks. Uh, you know, they lost both of them in the offseason, so you're wondering how 
the new ones were going to fare in regards to defending the pass, and it doesn't look good. Uh, and this might be a, a a habit, like a weekly habit now for the cornerbacks in Minnesota. So um, definitely needs to be on your fantasy radar when uh, someone's playing Minnesota or a receiver playing Minnesota that uh, that might be a good option because Devontae Adams just annihilated them. Adam Thielen is our number two receiver, and he was going against the Packers. And, of course, the, uh, the Vikings had to play a lot of catch-up, so that required a lot of passing. But he only had eight targets, uh, six receptions for 110 yards, but he had the two touchdowns, and, and that's what helped. And they needed all those touchdowns because uh, they just can, couldn't keep up with the uh, Packers' offense. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, in a losing effort for Adam Thielen. And in another losing effort, our third GOAT of the week is Calvin Ridley. He is uh, our top-rated receiver to make a Chris Godwin-type ascension this year. We really are high on Calvin Ridley, and he had 12 targets. So nine receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. And, yeah, right off the bat, he's a difference maker and had an amazing game. Unfortunately, it wasn't a losing effort, but uh, you got to like what you see so far from Calvin Ridley and uh, what uh, what's to come in the future for him. <coughs> Our first tight end go of the week is Mark Andrews, and I'll be honest, yard-wise, target-wise, he actually was a little bit lower than what I expected against Cleveland. He only had six targets, five receptions for 58 yards, but those two touchdowns are always a difference maker and that catapulted him up to the top of the tight end list this week. And, you know, it's Mark Andrews. It's Lamar Jackson. Uh, expect him to be on a lot of our lists this year uh, as he is the main receiving option for the Ravens. Our number two GOAT of the week is Dallas Goddard, and this was against Washington. It makes sense. The Eagles had a lot of injuries at wide receiver, the tight ends were going to get a lot of targets. Zach Ertz scored a touchdown, uh, and Dallas Goder also got a touchdown. He actually had nine targets, though, so eight receptions, 101 yards. Really efficient day. And I'll be honest, if I'm a Zach Ertz owner, I'm a little bit nervous because although they use two tight ends quite effectively, uh, it's starting to look like Dallas is starting to take over some of that target share from Ertz and... Uh, if this keeps up like this, you're, you're going to have a real bargain in uh, where you drafted uh, Dallas uh, Goddard, or Goddard, however you want to pronounce his name. Number three is Noah Fant for the Denver Broncos. Really great opening day. He was all over the place, but only for one half. I mean, he, he really showed up that first half, and then they kind of forgot about him a little bit. But uh, five catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. Felt like he could have done more if they... Uh, made him more of a priority but uh you gotta like what you see from there he's one of our breakout candidates this year and he didn't disappoint for that uh first week burke and ms the wiz Maltobon, ghosts of the week let's get this started our first ghost of the week is tyrod taylor quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers and the reason for that is he was playing the Bengals 
And the Bengals are notorious for giving up a lot of points to the quarterback position. So Tyrod Taylor is an intriguing play statistic-wise, but you look at his statistics, uh, 16 for 30, 208 yards, zero touchdowns. He didn't throw any interceptions, but that was his whole day. That's all he did. So 208 yards, and, and, you know, they did pull it out on a lucky missed field goal by the Bengals because, you know, the Bengals are going to be the Bengals. But, you know, you can't feel really good about the uh, Los Angeles Charger quarterback situation with uh, this kind of start, especially against a team like the Bengals where, you know, you expected a little bit more. And I will be a little bit honest. You know, I didn't think Justin Herbert was going to play at all, but if it keeps up like this, you're probably going to see him a lot sooner than uh, what you thought or what maybe you wanted, especially if you own uh, one of those players on, on that roster. Anyway, our number two go- our ghost of the week is Baker Mayfield. I get this against Baltimore, but, you know, they lost 38-6, to and he was 21 for 39 for 189 yards. So 21 completions for 189 yards, that's, what, barely under five yards per uh, completion? Just not acceptable. One touchdown, one interception, just a really bad day for Baker Mayfield. And I thought this game was going to be kind of close because it was an AFC North-type game, Browns playing the Ravens. They got kind of embarrassed last year, and that's always a game that Cleveland uh, fans are get really excited about since Ravens are the old Cleveland Browns. But uh, to no avail, Baker Mayfield just uh, didn't step up. And then here's another one, and it, we're going back to Los Angeles. And this isn't a win, but uh, Jared Goff for the Rams. It was just a lot of bad. Zero touchdowns, 20 for 31, 275 yards, and just had that uh, that interception. So... I get Dallas is a pretty good defense, but uh, Goff is usually a little more effective, even against some good defenses, and he definitely didn't meet the uh, standards this week. And he's actually one of the top uh, top f- or lower five quarterbacks in all the NFL this week. So obviously, ghost designation, and just really threw up a dud if you're a Jared Goff owner. So pretty disappointing. Let's move on to the running backs. The number one ghost of the week, and this is going to be an AFC North type uh, section for everybody. The number one, uh, Mark Ingram, 10 attention, uh, 10 attempts, 29 yards, no touchdowns, nothing, 2.9 average. You know, they, they won 38 to 6, so he wasn't used very much, and J.K. Dobbins. You know, get the touchdowns, but uh, you're really hoping that it was more that it was a blowout than this is how they're going to use Mark Ingram moving forward because, you know, 10 attempts for where you drafted him is not what you're hoping for, and especially because he's not a big part of the passing game. And yeah, just a mediocre day for him in the win for the, the Ravens. The number two ghost of the week is. In that same vein, Nick Chubb for Cleveland, who I am actually still high on this year, but uh, 
Cleveland all the way around had a really bad day. He only had 10 attempts as well for 60 yards and uh, had a fumble that he lost, so I think that plays into it. But, uh, yeah, when you get 60 yards, you lose a fumble. That's, you know, from your number one running back, you expect a lot more there. And Nick Chubb didn't deliver. And, and then especially when you consider, you know, Kareem Hunt is in the mix as well, you really need him to have better production for the times he does run the ball. Our number three ghost of the week is, again, in the AFC North. It's uh, Joe Mixon. He's a number one back two that you drafted. Uh, I know it was against the Los Angeles Chargers, but he had the 19 attempts, which is pretty good, and had 69 yards. He had uh, two yards on one catch. Again, he had a fumble that he lost, so that makes the uh, you know the 69 yards more like 4.9. Uh, I think he averaged what 5.1 in total with the uh, the two yards receiving. Really bad day for Joe Mixon. I know you're expecting more. And uh, towards the end of last year, he was matchup proof, where he would produce no matter who he played. Didn't happen this game, and you'd have to be pretty disappointed with that output. So let's move on to the receivers. Our number one ghost of the week goes to Christian Kirk for the Arizona Cardinals. And the reason for that is he had five targets, which, you know, is pretty good. Um, Not as much as what you'd want for Christian Kirk, but still enough to produce. And he had one catch for zero yards. So starting off, you know, I realized DeAndre Hopkins is a receiver over there, going to get most of those targets. But with that offense, you just expected more from him, and he just didn't get it. So it was really disappointing. And, you know, you just you, you want to see more than that. And, uh, you know, moving forward, he, he kind of has to be a bench until you see how that offense plays out and what he does. Our ghost number two of the week is with someone that's even more surprising than Christian Kirk, Michael Thomas. He had the prime matchup. I even used him for FanDuel, which really, you know, hurt uh, recommending him for FanDuel and him not producing, especially with how bad Tampa Bay was last year at defending that uh, those receivers. He had 17 yards total. So having 17 yards is, uh, yeah, it's, it's not good. And uh, you really expect more from him than that and this was all based off of three receptions so he had five targets three receptions and yeah 17 yards so that pretty much explains it all uh pretty disheartening and uh to be honest i i I don't really want to talk about it we'll move on to our number three and this one is less surprising because it's been kind of a theme but this is odell beckham jr He's our number three ghost of the week. He had 10 targets in this game. You know, they had to pass a lot. Baltimore destroyed them. You figure that, you know, Landry and Beckham would have pretty good stats. And Odell Beckham only caught three of those 10 targets for 22 yards. There definitely seems to be like a disconnection between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. And it's really hurting Beckham's value. And I had Beckham rated really low just because I... You know, I, I didn't believe the hype. It's been two years now that he hasn't been effective. 
and he's starting off on the wrong foot this year. But Odell Beckham Jr. is our third GOAT, and uh, let's just start talking about the tight ends. Starting off for tight ends, the ghost number one is Rob Gronkowski. You knew that O.J. Howard was going to get a lot of play, but you wanted to see a lot more from Gronkowski. He only was targeted three times, had two catches for 11 yards. And, you know, some people really reached for for him thinking that he was going to have the same magic with Brady as he did for the Patriots. And so far, that doesn't look to be the case. And if you drafted Rob Gronkowski, you have to be a little bit concerned just because it really does look like O.J. Howard is is getting most of the work in that offense for right now, which is to be expected. I mean, Gronkowski hasn't played for a couple years, and, uh, yeah, that's uh, he's not going to be the, the player that he was, uh, you know, early on when he was a young kid. So Blake Jarwin, uh, this is kind of cheating a little bit, but uh, – there's a lot of tight ends that had bad weeks, but this one, just because he was there's some hype built up about him in this matchup with the Rams, he had one reception for 12 yards, and now it looks like he'll be out for this season. So really disappointing uh, for Blake, and I feel bad for the guy, but uh, it definitely, if you, you started him this week, uh, didn't help your fantasy team at all. And then, man, this last one, there's just... There was a lot of options, but I'll go with, with the big one, and it's Austin Hooper because going to Cleveland, you were thinking he was going to capture some of that magic he had with the Falcons. He was only targeted two times. He get, he had 15 yards and very un-Austin Hooper-like performance. So you're wondering how Cleveland's going to use him. Uh, Joku looked pretty good, and... Um, especially for all that money he got, you figured he'd be a bigger part of the offense. And maybe he will going forward. But, you know, another thing, too, was it was a blowout. So uh, you would have thought the Cleveland Browns would be passing a lot more, which they were, but they obviously couldn't get the ball to Hooper still. So it's, it's definitely something to monitor if you're uh, an Austin Hooper owner. Uh, and that will do it for our Ghosts of the Week segment. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get started. All right, this is going to be kind of a long segment today because there are quite a few people that uh, slipped through the cracks and weren't drafted. That looks to uh, looks like they're going to have some value moving forward. And I always try to be a couple weeks ahead because there's no sense telling you to pick up someone when uh, they're already right on the radar, red hot. And a couple of these guys will be. I mean, it's week one. But uh, I wanted to also give you some guys that uh, you can pick up now that will uh, benefit you in, in a week or you know a couple weeks, and uh, you won't have to play that waiver wire game. So that's the goal with uh, this segment is to keep you one step ahead of everybody else. And at quarterback, the very first ad is Tua Tagovola for the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick played horrible against New England, and it was against New England, so, you know, you got to cut them a break, but they're already screaming in Miami for Tua, and, you know, who knows when that's going to be, but if Fitzpatrick struggles like he did in week one, it's going to be sooner than later, so if you wanted to take a chance on a rookie QB, uh, I think, you know, with the quarterback situation, Tua is the guy that uh, 
probably has the uh, quickest road to playing, uh, barring injury, of course. And then having said the same thing with Tua, it's the guy that was drafted uh, or the next quarterback drafted after him, Justin Herbert. Tyrod Taylor didn't show me anything against Cincinnati. I was really disappointed. If he keeps that up, you're going to see Justin Herbert a lot faster than what you would like. And if, if there's any interest in him, you, you might want to grab him now because I really think that Tyrod will even have a shorter leash than Fitzpatrick. And this would be the time to grab him. And, and you might not even be able to, or you might be able to grab him without using a waiver wire priority. You can grab him after the waiver period and just pick him up and, uh, you know, stash him on your bench uh, for when the, the time comes. But it's looking like it's close. So moving on to running back, I have Malcolm Brown as the number one pick to get this week all the way around the board. And I will be honest, I loved Malcolm Brown before the season. You know, I already talked about that in the, earlier in this segment. And he just kind of proved it to me with his play uh, against the Cowboys. I mean, Dallas is a pretty good defense, and uh, Malcolm Brown was the most effective. I mean, Cam Akers didn't look very good. Daryl Henderson's still hurt. And I realize that there's still the, uh, I guess, the scare of a committee. And one game doesn't make, doesn't change that. Uh, it could still be a committee. But uh, Malcolm Brown looks like the best back, and if he keeps playing like he did against Dallas, he's going to uh, kind of put that committee to rest because you need to get him the ball. So definitely jump on Malcolm Brown. My second running back I would jump on right away is Naheem Hines for the Colts. Uh, Marlon Mack, obviously you can drop him, or if you have an IR slot, put him on there. He hurt his Achilles, so he's out for the year. And everyone knows I like Marlon Mack a lot. I uh, wasn't big on Jonathan Taylor. Everyone's going to uh, pump up Jonathan Taylor on this. And, you know, I actually am higher on Jonathan Taylor now because there, there's not as many running backs. So just, you know, attrition, based off of attrition, I, I like uh, Jonathan Taylor more than I did. I still like Naheem Hines more. He's a better pass catcher. He does everything. Jonathan Taylor doesn't. It's kind of like sirens blaring through the stadium when he shows, you know, goes into the huddle that it's going to be a run play to him because he can't do anything else like block and catch the ball and he, and he fumbles, of course, you know, you, you've heard all the things I don't like about him. Um, those are still there. So he's already drafted though. So you don't have to worry about picking him up. Naheem Hines, uh, is drafted in some leagues, but he's available in a lot of leagues. So he's someone you need to uh, keep an eye on. I have Benny Snell next for the Steelers. James Conner was hurt yet again after three series. And this is just a common theme with him. You can't trust him to stay on the field. That was, you know, I ranked him pretty low starting off at running back because of this. I started warming up a little bit, thinking that it couldn't be three years in a row that he, he would battle injury. And he's proven me wrong. Benny Snell looked like a beast, and Mike Tomlin rides the hot hand. He's going to play who uh, is going to win and, and be most effective. So uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Benny Snell more the next game. So he, he's someone that you really need to keep on your radar. I would actually waste a waiver priority on him. He can be uh, a league changer if he does get that starting job, so it's worth the risk. Unfortunately, in my league, he was already picked up before the game, and uh, 
smart move on uh, my uh, my competition. James Robinson, he's my next one for Jacksonville. You know, Chris Thompson, there was a lot of buzz for him. He only had like two catches the whole day, didn't get any carries. James Robinson was your guy. He got the bulk of the uh, volume for at the running back position for Jacksonville. You need to own him. I get that it's Jacksonville, and uh, again, it's uh, Jay Gruden, and he doesn't like to run the ball or use the running back as much as other teams, but it's still an effective piece to have. So if you're hurting that running back, James Robinson's a good get. And then after that, I have Miles Gaskins for the Dolphins. We were all on the Matt Breida train or the Jordan Howard train, and Jordan Howard did score on a goal line touchdown, and, and that's going to be his MO all year. He's going to be the touchdown vulture. And that's why I have Gaskins rated lower. If he was going to score more goal line carries, I would rate him higher. But he looks like he's going to be the guy in Miami over Brita and Howard. And so that volume you can't ignore. He's someone that is interesting to get. And so I have him rated fourth at running back. And then at fifth, I have Josh Adams for the Jets. Le'Veon Bell's on IR, unfortunately. And, you know, Adam Gase doesn't want Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell doesn't want to be there anymore. And when that happens, you know you know Le'Veon Bell. But he's already on IR for at least three more weeks. And Josh Adams is the guy. He, he had the most productive week in the backfield for the Jets. Frank Gore is still going to spell him some, so it's not all Josh Adams' job. But I just feel like Josh Adams is going to be the main back for the Jets volume-wise, and, and Frank Gore will come into spell. So he, he's worth an add. On offense for receiver, I have Russell Gage for the Falcons, and people are probably wondering why I have him so high. Well, the Falcons, you know, Hayden Hurst was a bust, and he was almost on my Ghosts of the week because he had a real disappointing week. He was also one of my starts for FanDuel, so I'm extra bitter about that, and I'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, Russell Gage had 12 targets at the slot position, so it's looking like they're at least for this game didn't look at the tight end position as much, and we're we're using that third receiver, which is good because Russell Gage is actually a good receiver. I, I like him a lot. And you team him up with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And that's a potent offense and a potent trio to uh, to rely upon. So, uh, And as bad as the Falcons' defense is, I think that's going to you know, really help their offense and having to uh, score a lot of points. So Russell Gage is not a one-week wonder. I think he's here to stay. You need to look at him. You don't just get 12 targets one week and disappear. So... Um, definitely look at that. Paris Campbell, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. was the hot target, but Paris Campbell is the one that got the targets from Philip Rivers, and I think he's being undervalued right now. He's available in a lot of leagues. I think you need to go and get him, and uh, he needs to be on your radar for a, a waiver wire ad. Corey Davis is the next one for the Titans. I was watching Monday night, and I just kept waiting for A.J. Brown, and I kept waiting for A.J. Brown. And for the first, like, two and a half quarters, it was all Corey Davis. And Corey Davis looked great. He had 10 targets. And he definitely didn't look like the receiver of last year where he was kind of a forgotten commodity. So Corey Davis went undrafted in a lot of leagues. I would definitely look 
at that as an option. You know, a number two receiver on the Titans isn't, you know, isn't going to win you weeks necessarily, but uh, he could be a solid addition to your roster and, and be uh, productive. I have LaVishka Chenault at receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just like what he brings. He's talented. I really liked uh, Gardner Minshew in that offense against the Colts. Colts are a pretty good defense, and they looked efficient and effective. And Chenault looked like he could be the big play guy for him. And that potential is something you need to definitely consider. And uh, he could be worth getting before he really blows up and it, it makes it a little more costly to try to attain him. So I do it now while, uh, you know, there, there's still not a lot of buzz around him. And uh, have him on your roster for for when uh, – you know, he does, uh, he continues this trend and, uh, he, you know, people are looking for him. Brian Edwards is my last person. And I know what everyone's thinking. Oh, you're on the Brian Edwards train all year. And then he goes and throws a dud against the Raiders and you're going to double down on it. And I am, I guess in a way, but I'm doubling down on it, on the fact that he was, uh, a part of the offense for more snaps than any other receiver for the Raiders. He, you know, the passing plays, he was out there for more of the passing plays than any other receiver. So that volume to me means something. And I'm willing to look off this week and keep throwing him out there. Uh, on top of that, if he's, you know, he's not drafted on uh, in your league, he's something you, someone you really need to look at because you don't get that volume off the waiver wire very often. And again, if he with that volume, he starts blowing up and he, he might not be available later. So why not get him now while he's dirt cheap? You don't even have to waste a waiver priority because people aren't going to think about him. And you're going to pick up a guy that's the number one receiver on the Raiders team who likes to pass the ball and they like to mix it up and he could be a great option. And, and I'm still, like I said, I'm still high on him. Uh, I would look at this week as an anomaly. If this continues, then you, you can come back at me and uh, I'll admit I was wrong, but uh, Statistic-wise, nothing shows me that uh, he's not going to be an effective receiver for the Raiders this year. At tight end, my first one is Logan Thomas for the Redskins. I doubt he was drafted in very many leagues, if at all, if you're at least drafting uh, 15 rounds. And uh, he looked like a legitimate weapon for the Redskins. I liked what I saw. I think uh, that's just going to continue. And the Redskins offense has always used the, the tight end, you know, through, since I was a kid, they've always used the tight end. So Logan Thomas is definitely that number one tight end there. He was effective. He looked good. He's, uh, he's worth a, he's worth a, a get, especially if you have someone like Gronkowski that you need to drop or, you know, another one of these tight ends that were disappointing, you know, Kittle, Kittle's hurt. And, uh, we'll get to that soon, but, he might be a good pickup now that uh, you're not going to have Kittle for a couple weeks. Number two, I have O.J. Howard, and I get that he's drafted in most leagues, but there's still more than uh, there's more leagues than I'm comfortable with of him not being drafted. And he looks like the go-to guy for the the Buccaneers. He just uh, he had the touchdown, uh, had more targets than Gronkowski. I think O.J. Howard is going to have a great year with Tom Brady. Says isn't Jameis Winston getting him the ball. It's Tom Brady, and Tom Brady likes his tight ends. So if he's available, I think O.J. Howard is a solid addition that you need to pick up. 
Uh, next is Jordan Reed for the 49ers. He is a great tight end. He was a great tight end for the Redskins. Concussions is what kind of held him back. Now that Kittle was hurt, he's going to miss this week for sure, maybe even a couple weeks after that. Jordan Reed is the get at tight end. I think he will have an amazing game. Uh, and not that he's George Kittle by any means, but you know, if you need a quick uh, fix at tight end, he'll provide that for a couple weeks. And then you know, when Kittle comes back, you can drop him. But Jordan Reed has some value, and he's worth a, an add at the uh, the tight end position. Uh, I'm not going to talk about kicker. I'm not going to talk about defense. Um, that's not what we do here. But uh, as of right now, there's a lot of additions you can make that can really help your team. And if you really have a dud player like, you know, Baker Mayfield or, uh, like I said, Kittle being hurt, uh, Marlon Mack out for the year, these are some additions you can make to make your team better. Here's the preview for the Thursday night game. And it is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns are favored by six points. And I don't like that one bit. I'm picking the Bengals to win this one. Or I shouldn't say win this one, but at least cover the spread at six. I don't know who's going to win this one. It's two pretty bad teams. But uh, I think, again, that uh, it's going to be close. Uh, I guess close in mediocrity. But I say that I think it has a lot of fantasy relevance. I think it's good matchups for both teams. And you need to be starting a lot of players in this contest. Like, you know, if you have Baker Mayfield, I get you might even be dropping him at this point. But he has a great matchup against the Bengals. And, and you know, you thought Tyrod Taylor did too. I get it. But uh, he might not be a bad play here. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I really like in this matchup. I like both of the running backs. I think you need to play them and be confident about that. And then at receiver, yeah. I mean, Beckham and Landry, I I like Odell Beckham. I like Jarvis Landry in this one. We'll see. Uh, Austin Hooper had a quiet day. Maybe he can rebound against the Bengals and do something, uh, especially with Joku being on IR. You definitely need to watch that. If you have Joku, place him in your, your IR or even drop him at this point. Uh, he's not going to be available. So definitely need to make note of that. And Cincinnati side, I like, you know, I like Joe Mixon. I think he has a solid game. I like Joe Burrow. Um, I obviously wouldn't start him over a lot of other quarterback options, but I, I think he can have a pretty good game against Cleveland. And that includes A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and, you know, uh, C.J. Azuma maybe potentially. I mean, I, I never want to give endorsement to him, even though, like I said, he's a good blocker. Uh but uh, I, I think all the way around, you're having good matchups. And I'm trying to think of someone that you would bench in this matchup. And, I mean, Baker Mayfield, maybe because he's a bad quarterback. But matchup-wise, it's a great matchup. And, you know, if I was willing to start Trubisky last week uh, on a good matchup, I, I have to do the same for Mayfield. And uh, that's just how I feel about it. It's, uh, it's, it's an intriguing game, like I said, fantasy-wise. And I think it's going to... Uh, both defenses might look bad after this one. Of course, it is the AFC North, so maybe it turns into a defensive battle and nobody can score, and it's just uh, 
you know, two offenses are bogged down. It's really up in the air. But regardless of that, I'm uh, definitely picking the Bengals in the six points. And, you know, if I have any of those guys I mentioned, I'm I'm starting them. And uh, I'll deal with the consequences later. But uh, for a Thursday night matchup, uh, it's going to be a pretty relevant, relevant one for uh, fantasy-wise and, and one to monitor for sure. This is our last segment of the podcast today. Just want to go over some of the picks that I had from the previous week. I ended up going 11-5. and five. I feel pretty good about it. I mean, 11-5 and five isn't too bad. It would have been 11-4, and four, but that Denver-Tennessee game, you know, I said Denver would, would win outright. They didn't. Uh, Tennessee was favored by one and a half points. They won by two. Pains me. Really thought I was going to get that one. Didn't work out. But uh also had one go the other way where I had the Raiders over Carolina and covering the, the three points. And they won by four. And I just, you know, didn't have faith in Carolina's defense. And that's what uh, got me over the, the hump on that one. So I'll take 11-5. and five. I feel like that's a good start. What isn't a good start, and I don't even want to talk about, is my fan duel lineup. I, you know, mentioned Miles Sanders. He didn't even play, so I had to pivot from him and put in Marlon Mack like I recommended, and then Marlon Mack got hurt. I had Hayden Hurst, who had an amazing matchup against the Seahawks and didn't do anything. It was the Russell Gage show at uh, slot receiver. And then, you know, I had Josh Jacobs, but everybody had Josh Jacobs, so that was really a play just to keep me relevant uh, and keep me in the money if my other guys produced which they didn't, and I had Michael Thomas, which, you know, we, we talked about. He was one of our ghosts, really uh, had a disappointing day, despite the amazing matchup against the Buccaneers secondary, and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. That was a, a tough break as well, and I had some matchups with Russell Wilson, and that helped, but even having that matchup, uh, my other guys just didn't fall through. So it's uh, it ends the st- the good run and the streak that I had previously. So uh, time to start the uh, the new streak starting on week two, and I'll give you my picks uh, in the the next podcast. And uh, that should do it for the show. Our work here is done. You're listening to the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's get better tomorrow. Thanks for listening.